those who can do, those who cannot do it on the internet. FancyPantsGangsters.com Welcome to the voice behind the show about actors who are heard but not seen. And this week we're we're coming to you live from the from the allergy ward. Uh, both <laughs> both both myself and my guest are are coming down with something. I'm not sure what exactly, but luckily she's far away from me, so we're not like some sort of weird cross contamination superbug thing. Uh, <laughs> this this week we've got Miss Danielle Rain. How's it going? Great, Evan. How you doing? You feeling a little better? Your tissues at hand? I'm okay. It's it's more. I'm just trying. Not, I, I've I've been shotgunning cough drops for the last, so. Yeah. What so, kind of cough drops do you like? What's your favorite? Um, anything. It, it seems to be the more potent, the the better. It's just uh, my breath could probably frost a cake right now because uh, I've had <laughs> so much. But yeah, just just give me something that that. Uh, I have to stay upright for the interview, so normally I try to go, for, if, if they have some sort of NyQuil drops, I don't know if those are a thing, but I've been looking for them. Yeah, that light you up from inside the nasal cavity? Exactly. Like those? Yeah, exactly. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, Miss Rain, how's it going? It's great. Absolutely great. Uh, it, this whole Mass Effect Andromeda experience has been incredible. Amazing. I would imagine. Now, we've been doing the show for a few years now. This is episode 97. And wow. and and I've been following voice actors for, for even before that. And this game, Mass Effect Andromeda, is the first time I can remember that the, the voice actors, almost to a man, have been so jazzed to talk about the game. Like, beyond just, like, the contractual requirements like everyone involved seems to just love this game and love the fans and it's 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 fascinating to me yeah i um you know from day one i started kind of like searching vetra as soon as people had seen her and just the sheer amount of fan art that people are putting out there is absolutely incredible and it just doesn't seem to be stopping it only seems to be continuing um at this stage like there were a couple great pieces like three or three pieces i think i retweeted yesterday that were just amazing you know a couple with uh veteran scott you know which to me is adorable because she's taller than him you know of course uh, yeah and i just i i'm i'm so impressed by the passion and the fervor the fans have. And I think it just becomes infectious for us voice actors, you know, that people are so excited about the characters we're playing that it's not like, okay, I finish a job and I put all my attention on the next one. With this one, there's always this delightful thing happening in your background that, you know, you pop on your Twitter and there's a bunch of new notifications and it's just stuff about your character. So, I, I don't think I've had anything where it was this lingering quality of what's happening with my character. And I think some of that is just the 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 Mass Effect fandom in general, which is is in at least in the last few months has been one of the most active and and uh, uh, fevered, I guess would be the best way to put it, uh, fandoms around. But also, f- f- I think Vetra in particular, it seems to really resonate with a lot of people. 
Uh, I think Garris got that ball rolling, you know, with the Turian popularity and then Nyreen for the DLC mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I, I guess, you know, there was a big demand. People really wanted a Turian in this one. And I'm just glad that they like her, you know, that that uh, it's it's, you know, obviously it's not me. It's it's Cheryl Cheese writing. It's the art direction to make her look the way she does and move the way she does. Um, I'm just glad I get to be a part of it, you know. And we're definitely going to keep talking about Mass Effect. Uh, it's actually appropriate that about a half hour before we started recording, I just did the Vetra loyalty mission. So I'm I'm very in a Vetra headspace right now. That is the only loyalty mission I've accomplished so far, too. <laughs> I keep wanting to do Drax, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, what do you mean I have to go defeat the Archon now? Oh, God. Okay. So, you know, I keep getting sidetracked, but I intend to do all the loyalty missions. I'm just not a great gamer, so it's going to take me a while, you know? I can understand that. I can understand that. But before Vetra, you are not a a newbie at at the voice acting or acting in general. You've been acting for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my career now for a long time. I'm I'm one of the really lucky ones. You know, I, I have busted my butt to, you know, keep working and acting because it's not the sort of thing you can, you know, kind of rest on your laurels unless you, you know, become a big star, which clearly I'm not. So, you know, I, I do have to work all the time to get my next job, to to get myself out there. Um, and I, I've been cool with it. You know, it's, it's just a part of what I do. The business of show business is a big chunk of what I have to do on a daily basis, you know. Now, for you, when was voice acting a goal, or was this something that you kind of fell into? Because you didn't start as a voice actor. You did theater, and you, you've done actually quite a bit of, of on-camera stuff, too. Yeah, on-camera's been my living, you know, uh, everything from, like, commercials and those industrial training films. I, I cut my teeth on a lot of those in New York when I first started out, Uh I did all that on camera stuff. And, and in New York, it was kind of, it's a weird thing because for a big city, it's kind of a smaller town in that casting directors would, you know, know your voice from the commercial auditions you would do for them. And they'd invite you in to do some voiceover auditions. Now I, I never did much with it. It was just one of those things that, you know, kind of like a little inclination started way back then early in my career, but I didn't really want to pursue it because on camera was what I wanted to do. And when I came out here uh, to LA, I did end up taking some more classes and I got to the point where it's like, you know, this voiceover thing, it's sounding more and more appealing all the time. And I started to pursue it about six years ago. I went, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm not like somebody who I didn't quit on camera and just devote myself to voiceover. So it's sort of like a sideline that I do in addition to my on camera. Uh, There's a lot of things that I should do if I'm just going to commit 100% to voiceovers. Uh, But I do feel like it's just another tool in my arsenal to continue to be a working actor. Knowing what you know now about how your career has kind of gone so far, do you do you think you would have done things a little different in terms of training or in terms of anything like that to maybe play up some of the voice work or do you think do you think you would have reexamined how you how you would have done things? 
You know, things just unfold the way they do in a career for God knows whatever reason. Um, I do wish like one of the the hardest things is learning all the technical aspects. Like in the beginning of, of, you know, when I started auditioning for voiceovers, even back in New York City, you would go into an office. It would be like any other audition. They would handle all the technical aspect and you'd just stand there and, you know, give you know whatever speech they had for you or whatever sides you would just do it now because there's you know you're handling all the the technical aspects from home you're recording at home uh i think that whole technical aspect i wish there was something you know a class that you could take to learn that i mean there's plenty of voiceover and improv and all sorts of classes you can take but that technical stuff you got to read books. You got to, you know, Google, how do I do this? The technical stuff is sometimes the hardest thing to work around. Like, why is my microphone all of a sudden skipping on me? What's going on? You know, why am I getting some buzzing or feedback? You know, what do I need to address? Is it a, is it a cable? Is it my, you know, my preamp? What is giving me the problem? How often do I need to replace these things? You know, it says the technical stuff that I do wish I knew better. Now this is uh, Mass Effect is not your first foray into the video game world. No, I did do um, some World of Warcraft. I was gonna say, yeah, um, yeah, I played a couple different characters, but I knew nothing. And this was still in the day of you just went into the uh, office and you know you read whatever copy they had. And to me, it just looked like, uh, you know, if I play her as Lady Macbeth, that makes sense, you know. So I just took some Shakespeare stuff and just kind of like delivered the lines as if, you know, I was one of the witches or something, you know, and for for whatever reason, they picked me. And so I did a couple of different, um, uh, it was Lady Death Whisper and Lady Sinestra, um, and uh, they were the consorts uh, for the dragon. So I did a couple of those, but, you know, the actual finesse work, you know, all these other video games where a lot of it is combat or maybe it's, you know, certain characters. I still like one of the things that I need to work on as a voice actor is looking at these pictures and descriptions and figuring out what do I need to do with my voice to really sound more like this type of alien or character or orc or whatever it is that you're trying to, you know, sound like. You know, what, what, what is this voice going to sound like based on the picture they've given me? You know, so that's that's another aspect. I mean, I'm still like with Vetra. It was a lot of bringing all of my work as Sarah Connor and any badass character I've ever played in TV and bringing myself and my voice to this particular character. And so, you know, Vetra's really, you know, this is the character I would love to play. She just doesn't look like me. You know, um, <laughs> that's probably so, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. You know, being that tall, well, I, I don't know if I could handle being that tall. Well, you know, yeah. it, it, I'd be more worried about the mandibles. It's that's <laughs> something worry about. But you know, you mentioned Sarah Connor. I think they're cute. I think those mandibles are adorable, especially <laughs> when they start to move when she's like thinking or she's taking in something or processing a feeling, and they have those mandibles move. I love it. I absolutely nice. love it. Nice. Yeah. And you, you mentioned Sarah Connor, and and you were Sarah Connor in I think it was the Universal Studios Terminator ride. Is that 
Yeah. That was yeah, it. they had a they had a show up here at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood for about 14 years. And it was one of the things that I had actually seen it when they opened this show in Florida because we had a family reunion there. And I watched <laughs> it and I was still living in New York at the time and I watched that and went God, this is fantastic. I wish I could do something like that, but we don't have anything like it in New York. Well, the following week, I came out to L.A. to visit some friends and decided, you know what? I'm going to come out here and do pilot season. I'm just going to buy a ticket. I'm going to be out here for seven months. And when I came out here, I had my ticket. I met my future husband. He proposed to me, and I never used that return ticket back to New York, and I never went back. But then cut to like a year and a half later, they were building and opening the Terminator attraction, and I got to get in on the ground floor. I was one of the hundreds of people who auditioned for it. I went through all the uh, auditions and callbacks and, and then got it and then went through all the training. Uh, and then after all the training, they rostered us. They put us in a, an order, and I was one of the two full-time Sarahs for the entire run of it. Wow. But that wasn't your only kind of badass woman role that you've done in terms of sci-fi or video games because you were you were Shell in in the Portal movie, the the short movie that came out a few years ago. Yeah, that was Dan Trachtenberg's uh, short movie. That actually came after Sarah Connor. It did, it did come after. It be, okay, it came because of Sarah Connor. Um, the stunt coordinator Keith Adams. Uh, he was my original John Connor when we opened the show. So when Dan turned to Keith and said, hey, I need like a Sarah Connor type character for my lead. Do you know some people? Keith was like, do I know people? And he sent over a bunch of us Sarah Connors. And, you know, and Dan had other people that he knew. So there are a variety, everything from like parkour experts to just straight actresses to hybrids like me um and we all auditioned and i just got very lucky and he picked me and looking at your on-screen stuff uh this this might be my favorite bit of trivia but it, uh, looking at your on-screen stuff you tend to play a lot of i mean and especially if you look at like some of your imd photos it's, it's more like you're very kind of upper crust lady you know very very you know high society and you, I think, I'm pretty sure, you are the only guest that we've had on this show that has a machine gun license. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I did when I was a uh, Sarah Connor. It was one of the things where we had to be completely licensed, permitted by the Department of Justice, the DOJ, uh, to be able to operate and transport uh, a machine gun, an assault rifle. Uh, and it was just part of our job skills that we could completely take it apart, clean it, do some basic work on it. Uh, and then we also had to be responsible for the safe transportation of it through a crowded theme park, which I'm sure you can imagine was a lot of fun. This was, obvi uh, this was obviously pre 9-11, I'm guessing. You know what? It was pre and post. Oh, okay. And can I tell you the differences between the <laughs> two? It was it was crazy. And, and I actually was working um, the day after when September 11th happened, uh, I, I was scheduled to go in that afternoon because at that point we did 20 shows a day. Oh there was God. a morning crew who was in, I was scheduled to go in the afternoon. And when it happened, they closed the park. They said, don't come in. Um, the following, I think it was like a day or two later that they finally reopened and, and we went in and it was a very strange feeling being there, you know, in a 
where you feel like, you know, I, I've got this weapon in my hands. I look like a terrorist and I'm trying to save the world here. But it's just in light of everything that had just happened. It was really hard, really hard. I can imagine. But this, this, is, this is a license that has since expired. So, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't have anything to do with assault rifles anymore unless, you know, I get cast in something like that Hawaii Five O episode mm-hmm. where they then give me, you know, a different weapon to, to to work with or something like that. So, you know, I, I'm glad I have the experience. It is incredibly useful uh, when you show up on a set and they hand you a weapon and you at least have some basic experience with that kind of weapon. Uh, but no, I don't need to have that machine gun permit anymore. I mean, it would take four to six months to get the clearance to get the permit because they basically fine combed everything in your background. Now, do you think your experience with Vetra would help or harm your future background checks when it comes to <laughs> machine when it comes to machine guns? Uh, you know what? That cyclone assault rifle. Um, I haven't really seen it on uh, anybody's like most wanted list. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm good. I think just, I'm good. Yeah, just, just give it time. It, even it was fun though. Like the banter that we had about stuff involving weapons. You know, like there's one where I'm kind of dressing down Liam about stuff that was going on with his weapon in a particular fight, and I, I loved that. Uh, you know, there's still that part of me that's like, hey. I know what I'm talking about here, you know. <laughs> now you mentioned that you're not you're not a very good gamer, and mm. and I'm assuming by that you, you you weren't a big gamer growing up or in the in the last you know few decades or so. Yeah, you know what? I'm a really physical person, and sitting to do something is just not my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I would much rather be up and out and doing something or doing something physical. Like I've had a chance to do virtual reality. I love that being up and actually physically shooting the arrows and moving and all that. I loved it. Um, So sitting is really not my thing. Uh, But I, you know, I wish I had more of that experience. I wish I'd at least played video games. My, my husband, you know, he plays video games. I used to play with him, but it was just like fighting games, you know, and, and I'd get like three or four moves, like a jump spin kick. And I would try to obliterate everybody with that one single move. (laughs) So I wasn't really good at it at all. And I think, you know, with, when you're not good at something and you don't really feel like it's your thing, you just kind of walk away and go, ah, I'll let him do that while I go, you know, work out or hike or run or something. You know, and uh, so that that was that was pretty much it for me and my gaming experience. So I did pick it up. I, I actually picked up Portal when mm. I was doing that. I got to about level seven and got very frustrated. So that <laughs> I, was it. I, I can imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so then I, I, you know, did get the Mass Effect games. Uh, I did not. I could not. I don't know. I, I just maybe because it's narrative level that they have with Mass Effect Andromeda. It's the only reason I'm able to survive. You know, basically my writer hides behind something while Drac and Vetra kicks everybody's butt to <laughs> save my sorry ass. You know, that's my gaming style. Let me just hide until they take care of everything. I just, my goal is not to die, right? <laughs> hey, that's that's not a bad goal. Yeah. So we, we've had a few of the Mass Effect Andromeda people on the show over the last few uh, months and years. And... One kind of common theme with a lot of the cast, I mean, there's a few exceptions to this, obviously, but a lot of the cast, this is their first or maybe second really big game, mm-hmm. uh, where it's a, it's this massive franchise and, and this huge company behind it, and 
you know, we talked at the beginning of the show about the the fan connection that that you have now kind of become a part of. Did you really have an idea, or were you ever given any sort of indication by anyone, um, e- either a family member or maybe your husband uh, or the company, that you're kind of part of something that's going to be a big deal? Yeah, you know what? Not really. I mean. Even as a non-gamer, I'd heard of the Mass Effect games mm-hmm. because there's gamers in my life. Um, so I'd heard of them, but uh, so there was an instant recognition when uh, Caroline Livingstone, who cast me as Vetra, started giving me the whole breakdown. So there was a, a recognition, but there was nothing that clued me in. Um, and obviously, I was being a little fly on the wall before they announced me as Vetra. Uh, and so like on N7 Day and things like that, I started to watch what was happening with Tom and Frida and kind of watching going, OK, well, it's not going to happen to me on this kind of level because I'm not the player one character. I'm just another, you know, I'm a crew member. But it was a good chance for me to kind of like look and see what was happening to them, how they were responding. I mean, as, as you've seen, Frida and Tom are just amazing at, you know, being really responsive uh, w- with with the fans. And, and so that was a good life lesson right there for me was just being able to watch as a fly in the wall, no pressure, just see what was going on, you know. Why do you think people connect to Vetra? And, and some of this, like you mentioned with, with Garrus earlier too, I mean, there's something about that, character that I, I agree with you i think there might be a little bleed over from that character but what about vetra do you think is really kind of resonating with people and and does the and it, are you getting the same kind of resonance where it's like are you connecting with that character in a similar way to the what the fans are well i think what i like about her and i don't know i mean everybody's gonna have a different reason that they like vetra but I love the fact that in spite of the fact she's really strong, she can totally kick your ass. She's the cavalry and will actually come in and save you. She's also got insecurities. Um, She's, to me, it's like she's a well-rounded character because she's not confident then in a relationship or the idea that someone finds her attractive. So maybe it's the idea of someone who's, yeah, I'm a badass, but... I'm not arrogant and I don't think I'm, you know, fantastic in every area. I know what I'm good at, but I also know where I'm awkward and I'm, you know, processing that just the way anyone does. And maybe that's what people relate to. We've all had that situation where, you know, man, maybe somebody we're really attracted to and they just totally turn us upside down and we can't even like form words and, you know, things like that. So that happens to Vetra in the course of, Andromeda. And I think maybe that's why that's why I would like her. I would like the fact that she's insecure at times in spite of being so completely capable in other arenas. That would be my reason. What what about you? What 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 do you think? I I I'm the worst person to ask that question just cuz I'm I always I always take like the hundred foot view when it comes to the, a lot of the the narrative stuff. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard for me to 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 make that kind of connection with 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 things. But I, I agree with you that 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 there is that that vulnerability, and I also wonder if some of it is, you know, like you said, you're a physical person, and mm-hmm. and you've got you know, you know you've played Sarah Connor, who's not a a, a dainty doily by any stretch. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious how much of that comes through just 
in from from the vocal per, uh, performance. You know, obviously there's that physicality on screen that you're mm-hmm. you're seeing with her. I mean, with the height and 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 all the the weird mandibles and the things poking out of her and all that. Um, yeah. But 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 some of that is it, it, I would say a lot of that comes from that voice. And when you were doing that character, w- were you? doing anything i mean uh, with your voice i mean knowing that that's going to be a processed voice uh in general mm-hmm. like were you doing anything different than kind of your natural speaking voice i mean your natural speaking voice sounds very very close yeah i i, I had to pretty much keep it in my lower register also to set me apart i think from the other characters as well um because like as the day gets later my register gets a little bit higher, but it starts out in the morning, kind of like right about where it is right now. Mm-hmm. But I think also um, when I when I really experience something from like my gut and my heart, like when I was talking about all the stuff with our dad, you know, and our mom not being there for us and just me and Sid, um, if I really, truly connect in my gut and my heart, it comes from here and the emotion just comes out with it. You know, the, 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 the pain, you know, of trying to remember, you know, that your dad just wasn't there for you and you, and you were forced to basically be the parent to your sister, um, in a world that was really brutal, you know? So I think a a lot of that, you know, comes from my gut, my gut and my heart. Uh, I, 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 you know, really feel like when you get good writing, like what Cheryl Chi does, you know, uh, for me, it's just I can stand at the microphone and just really be vulnerable and open up, you know, everything that I use to process emotion and just open my mouth and let the words come out. Now, we, we've got a couple listener questions. Um, and, sure. and I think we've addressed some of these. We uh, Bear, Bears House of Games uh, wanted to know about mm-hmm. how difficult it was transitioning from the live action of VO. And it sounds like that's more of an ongoing thing because you're, you're still doing live action stuff, too. Yeah. And one of the things that I, and that's a great question, Bear, and a shout out to him because he's always he's been great uh, on, on Twitter with me. Uh, but I like if I'm acting out some part, I physically would try to do it. Uh, and I've watched other voice actors who can just sit in a chair and they can be doing combat, falling, you know, fighting. And I got to stand up and I got to throw that punch. And I've got to, and you have to be mindful of what are you wearing that day? Can they actually hear the fabric rustling? You know, uh, I, I, you know, just clothing choices, you know, things like that, because when you are physical the way I am and you're moving around and you're acting out these parts, uh, they can actually pick that up. So, yeah, that was one thing I really had to learn to be mindful of. And um, Judy Alice, our um, engineer, she was great and she was super patient because I think she got that I was going to be doing things, trying to work my way through how do I how do I fall? How do I hang on to this while, you know, the the, the pockets trying to suck me out, you know, airwaves? Um, and she was really patient and, you know, got me through all of it. That's the blessing of a great engineer. You know, they really help you do your job well. Now, there wasn't any mocap for Mass Effect. Is that that's um, correct? I did not. Okay. I did not. Okay. Um, but I think there was performance capture. Sure, sure. Yeah. Is is something, as you're doing more video games, is, is motion capture something you'd be interested in? I, I would imagine. I think I already know the answer to this question, but but is motion yeah. capture something that you'd be interested in really playing with? 
Yeah, I I would I would love to do that because I do think that, you know, as an on-camera actor, you know, then it's incorporating everything. I mean, obviously it's going to have its challenges again cuz now you've got to do, you know, the physical and that's one of the tough things, you know, about when you're on camera. Well, okay, I've got my dialogue, but I've also got what was I doing? Which hand was where? Which step was first? Because you've got to match it for the next shot. I don't know if you have to do all that kind of matching work in mocap, but um, I, I definitely I, I would really like to do it. I've had a couple things where I've auditioned and even, you know, been on a veil for a couple mocap jobs. So I'm just one of these is going to be mine and it's just going to happen. I have this weird, possibly deranged hope that you know, in in a in my opinion, inevitable Mass Andromeda sequel, and uh, and because because I know how I know how Bioware works, I would like to think that in the in a future game or a future DLC where you're gonna where they want you to do performance capture, I'm kind of hoping you have some sort of glue on mandibles, <laughs> just to really sell the 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 performance. You know, that is the magic, though, of what the animators do. I mean, those mandibles are so perfectly timed and so well-placed. So, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine how that would add to the performance. You know, I may sigh because that's, you know, part of my processing, you know, a feeling at the moment. But those mandibles add so much they really do. Would you really turn it down though? If someone, if you show up to the VO sessions, like we need you to wear the mandibles, would you turn oh, that down? Oh, of course not. I'm wearing <laughs> the mandibles. You put those mandibles on my head. Yeah, I, I mean, but I don't know how many people realize, but you know, as voice actors, we have no control or say about you know future DLCs or anything that you know might happen with Vetra. You know, the people who do, you know, and I appreciate you know the people on Twitter will say stuff like you know, hey make this happen. We want veteran a DLC. It's like, I can't, you know, the, the people you need to like say, Hey, we really want to see more of Vetra are, you know, the people at, at Bioware or, you know, the Mac Walters and the, uh, Aaron Flynn's and Mike Gamble's, those guys, they actually control that. I got nothing to say. They call me, I show up, I will wear the mandibles, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so looking forward now, um, you know, obviously Mass Effect is out. I'm assuming, uh, even if I, I don't even know, I don't even know why I freaking ask this anymore. I'm assuming that if you were doing, if you were doing more DLC or anything like that for the game, you couldn't even talk about it. Um, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. You're assuming right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. What do you have coming up, either live action or VO? Now, now that you're a big, huge star. <laughs> in, in, in the voiceover world. What do you got coming up that you can talk about? Yeah, that's, I mean, even like the jobs that I'm doing, I'm in the middle of doing a job. I was on set all day yesterday. I'm on again Monday. I can't even say what it is. Everything is like under this seal of confidentiality now. And I get it. You know, uh, I, I totally, totally get why. But yeah, every the only things I can talk about are a couple of films. Films and and short films and stuff like that. Like uh, um, uh, there's a a movie called Hundred Yards where I actually am acting with Stephen Brewis, who was the performance capture guy for Scott Ryder. So oddly enough, I'm one of the few people who's actually worked with the physical personification of Scott Ryder and the voice of Scott Ryder. 
Um, so I do have that movie coming out, which I think is, will be happening this summer. But yeah, unfortunately, there is just nothing else that I'm allowed to talk about <laughs> at this time. Of course not. Now, in, in these situations, and I always leave it open to people, mm-hmm. since you can't talk about it, do you feel, do you want to make something up? Because there's, <laughs> we, we, have, we have no way to verify it. Yeah. You know, it's true. I could just, you know, come up with the most ridiculous name. You know, the Pancake Express is my next video game coming Absolutely. up. I'm playing Pancake number three. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I, what does a pancake sound like? I don't know. How about like this? Put some syrup on me now. Um, I don't I don't have anything, you, you know, nothing. that I could actually, you know, say. And even if, you know, I, again, back to like the DLCs or anything like that, you know, I got nothing. I got nothing is basically all I'm allowed to say. I got nothing. <laughs> no, nothing nothing wrong with that. That's that that's I'll accept that, I think. Yeah. I, I think Obviously, as soon as there's something that I'm now then free to say, if you follow me on Twitter, you're going to find out about it. And you can follow her on Twitter. She's just Danielle Rain on on the Twitters. That's also her website www.daniellerain.com com which uh she's got all she's got a wide variety of the of her live action stuff she doesn't have a lot of this of the voice acting stuff on the site yet in terms of trailers and things like that but i can only imagine it's coming soon yes so what would you like to do now that you're 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 becoming part of this community in in the the mass effect or just video games in general is is there any character like let's say god forbid that you know, Vetra is either recast or just not in the next games. Is there mm-hmm. any is there any sort of character or any sort of type of of whatever that you'd want to do in the Mass Effect games or any other kind of video game that, that yeah, you just I like, probably yeah. I audition for video games all the time. Um and probably maybe one out of every three auditions there's characters I'm like, yes, I want this one so bad. You know, of course, so do hundreds of other actresses and a lot who have, you know, bigger agents perhaps than I do and things like that. Uh, I am totally into any of these video game characters. If, if it's a military one, I feel like all my Sarah Connor training is great for anything that's like more of a military-based action game uh, because I've done... Shakespeare and classics. Um, I can see myself in any kind of a fantasy, you know, realm. Uh, there's, there's so many different ways that you can, you know, personify somebody in, in, in video games at this point and so many different realms, you know, because there's so many different kinds of games. Uh, I just pick up a game informer and I flip through all these other games and I'm like looking at the different styles of animation and the different types of games. It's huge. And I think that's why they're saying that video games now is probably like the entertainment form of this century. You know, this is the newest entertainment form and perhaps the largest growing at the same time. Uh, So, yeah, obviously working on the AAA games is fantastic, but uh, there's a huge realm of lots of different games out there. And like I said, there's a lot of different parts I would really like to play. Well, all I can say to those hundreds of other voice actors out there is, keep in mind, she knows how to use a machine gun. So... (laughs) Just, just saying is all. Well, Danielle, again, your website, DanielleRain.com. Uh, Twitter is just Danielle Rain. Are you on the Facebooks and Instagrams and all those too? 
Yeah, there's the Danielle Rain Facebook fan page. And if you actually, you know, have a specific question you want to ask me, uh, that is a great place to send me a message there because a couple people have asked, you know, if they could DM me. Um, I would rather they go to the Danielle Rain Facebook fan page and send me a message there. I can answer it, you know, when I get my when I get a chance, when I get a break. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you, Evan. You've been great. You've been listening to The Voice Behind. If you'd like to support the show, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash thevoicebehind. Supporters will get access to special outtakes, advance notice of future guests, and a live stream where you'll be able to listen to and ask questions of our guests live. Check out our website at fancypantsgangsters.com for links to the Patreon as well as our other social networks and the show notes for this week's show. Thanks for listening.